Welcome to the Classic Sports Review. It's episode one, where we look at some of the most intriguing moments ever in the history of sports. What we're going to do today is take you all the way back to 1986. The Boston Red Sox were a game away from clinching the World Series and winning their first since 1918. Didn't happen. We all know why a lot of us remember. A ground ball went through Bill Buckner's legs and they lost an extra innings to the New York Mets, who would then go... Joining me, your host, Kirk Buckner, owner and operator of NotInHallOfFame.com, got to throw that plug in there, is Glenn Puzlowski. Uh Glenn's a triathlete from Buffalo, and he's been on a lot of the committees that I've put together regarding Halls of Fame. So, Glenn and I share a similar age and a similar sarcastic attitude, so we thought, hey, let's give this a shot. Without further ado, let's bring in Glenn. What do you do when you want to sort of like come up with a sports show a retro sports show, but you know that you're not the athlete. Well, you get an athlete. You get a triathlete. You get Glenn. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing good. How you doing today, Kirk? Doing good, doing good. So, Glenn, you, just just to bring everyone up to speed into what you are, you are you've uh, competed in the triathlon in Kona. Uh, no, I have not. I'm, I, I'd love to get to Kona one day. I competed at Lake Placid. Oh, okay. Uh, back in 2015. Uh, again, nothing big, just age group competition. That was my first one. And subsequently after that, I did a couple more at Lake Placid. Uh, I have a 100-mile duathlon underneath my belt. That's just the run-by-run. And a whole slew of local sprint competitions that I've podiumed on some and uh, as a result, I've been invited to age group nationals a couple times, but nothing mm-hmm. as big as Kona. That's still a work in progress. That, that's the dream. Okay. Oh, hence the, the, the Twitter uh, Kona Dreams. Yeah, Kona Dreams. It's, it's very hard to get. I mean, if you, get, if you meet someone that's gotten to Kona, like legitimately, like didn't buy their way, and they've gotten there, they're, they're like elite. Ah, uh, okay, okay, okay. Yeah, I'm just kind of schlepping around, trying to have fun and uh, enjoy the ride. Nice. So, so Glenn and I know each other from our mutual work on the United States Athletic Hall of Fame and other committees that we've sort of put together at nonhalloffame.com. And Glenn's a sarcastic asshole like me. I hope you don't mind me saying well, that. I don't know. I don't know if anyone can overtake your sarca- sarcastic asshole-ism. Probably not. All right. No. <laughs> but, but I'm there. But but you're up there. So I thought, like, okay, I've been wanting to do a retro sports show for a long time. Just looking at an old contest in whatever sport it might be, baseball, hockey, football, whatever. And I think that you and I, because like I'm a Canadian, but you're a Buffalonian. Is that is that what they call it? Yes, Buffalo- I am. Okay. But do they call it Buffalonian? Uh, Buffalo, yeah, Buffalonian. All right, and just, like, following you on Twitter, and actually, give everyone your Twitter, if you can. Uh, ooh, what the hell is my Twitter? Well, it's a lot Thanks of for fun. catching me on the spot. I know it's, uh, ooh. Well, it's a, Kona Dreams. Two N's at Kona Dreams, and a lot of S's at the end, because Kona Dreams spelled correctly was already taken, so I had to go out one, two, th- six S's. Okay. Something crazy like that. But if you search Glenn and Kona Dreams, you're going to find it. Right. Yeah. So 
But if you sort of like look at your your that, you're almost like an honorary Canadian, man. You know, I I grew up on CBC Hockey Night in Canada. Had the CTV on the local cable network. Uh, my little brother, who's five years my junior, did the whole Mr. Dress Up thing. I never did understand that. Maybe you could explain that to I me can't. at a later date, what the infatuation was with Mr. Dress Up. That I... just kind of freaked me out. But yeah, I mean, the piece for, I mean, I'm, I'm currently living in downtown Buffalo, and I, I mean, I can see Canada from my backyard. I'm not sure if that qualifies me to run for vice president of the United States, but it sure helps Sarah Palin. Oh, wow. But, uh, <laughs> well yeah, done. I mean, uh, Hockey's my number one love, as opposed to most other Buffalonians who are just diehard Bills fans. But yeah, I mean, oh. hockey, Labatt beer back in the day. Yeah. Nice. So in 1986, uh, shit, I never even asked you, like, how old would you have been in 86? Because we're looking at the Mets, uh, Mets Red Sox uh, World Series Bill Buckner game. Or were uh, you even alive? You know, it was funny when you presented that to. to uh, put one of the, this game on the list. I'm thinking, okay, how much of this game do I really remember? I mean, obviously everyone remembers Buckner. And I think, what, 86, I was 11 at the time. And I had to think back. Now, back in the day, I had like an 8 p.m. bedtime curfew as 11-year-old little Glenn was sent to bed early during the week. So I had to think, are all these memories that I have of this game? Is it just talking with people, seeing replays? Or did I actually watch this game? So I had to go online and see, and, and sure enough, Saturday, October 25th, 1986 at 8.30 p.m., by yep. golly, I bet I was able to watch that live. Because mm-hmm. it was a weekend, and, and there was no curfew on the weekend for 11-year-old Glenn. That, that also sort of like helps me understand like what our age difference is. <laughs> <laughs> you know, from that. Not, so, yeah, I, I, I never inquired about that. I, I, I don't need to know how old you are. Uh, three years old. I'll tell you. I am or how much older you are. Uh, I'll tell you. I'm three years older than you. From the neck up, I got you beat. From the neck down, probably not. <laughs> sure, we'll go. Yeah, I, I, you know, I, and I, obviously that three years probably makes a difference. You're in your teenage years, probably raising hell in uh, Canada. I wish, and I'm, buddy. I'm, I'm still I, under I, the whipping chain of the parents telling me what to do. I wish I was raising hell. No, I was a complete fucking geek in my teen years, in <laughs> my twenty years, in my thirty years. The only difference is, like right now, nobody gives a shit. <laughs> it's pretty I much hear it. You. I hear you. I, I, like like the people who I'm friends with now, I would never have been friends with in high school, or they, or rather, more. They would never have been friends with me. So we, so, oh, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, that's usually how it goes, man. I mean, I am on Facebook. I'm not going to put out my name because, again, I, I joined Facebook just to be able to watch live triathlon events. And then mm-hmm. all of a sudden they started putting up the screen where you have to join. Otherwise, you can't watch this. So I had made up a pseudo name and my Facebook name just to watch events. But other than that, I hate Facebook, but I'll, I'll get the occasional, oh yeah, okay, yeah, I did go to high school with him. Ooh, you're doing that? Okay, <laughs> good on you. Yep. So yeah, and, and when you're talking high school, you're talking, geez, I graduated in 97, or 93. Mm-hmm. So that's going, coming on 30 years ago. If my math is correct, 93, 03, 13, mm-hmm. 23. Yeah. Uh, as we- yeah. As we're, as we're going to go through this sort of like a baseball game, we're going to feel very, very old, which, I mean, I don't know. Oh, about, 
I don't know about yourself. I don't have a kid. So like I bounce back and forth between feeling old and not feeling old. I just have a niece and nephew. Mm -hmm. I've escaped the the child-bearing joys, and we'll leave it at that. But, yeah, I mean, just what they are doing today, Mm -hmm. it just blows my mind. Oh, I I hear it. I hear it. So we have October 25th, 1986. And this is uh, game six of the World Series the Boston Red Sox were up three games to two on the New York Mets. I do remember watching this game. Virtually nothing of how I remember this was how it was <laughs> when I looked back to that. No, I agree. I mean, there are bits and pieces like, oh, that happened. Oh, that happened. Right. Oh, oh. I mean, just, like, just a lot of that stuff. And, then, and we can get into, like, I mean, even, even something as simplistic as the broadcast itself. The broadcast was awesome. I mean, I'm, I, I, I mean I'm, I'm, I'm watching it thinking, how did we ever watch sports back in 1986? Well, You've got to be kidding me. Well, in some, in some ways, I, I feel like, how do we watch without the graphics, but also, how do we watch without Vin Scully? Vin Scully, to me, and I'm going to open up with this, is, like, I, I'm not a religious guy by any stretch. So like on the seventh, so like on the seventh day, God created this blah 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 to me. But but if right. the, but if you say the ninth day, God created Vin Scully. Yep. Sure, I'll buy that. Absolutely, and just just to hop on the Vin Scully bandwagon, and again, this is this is probably going to show both of our ages. I mean, I, I'd hop on the bus at either eight or nine in the morning, school. Let's out at two thirty or three, and what seemed like a forever bus ride home, which was probably only about twenty minutes. Get off at the end of the block and run home. And if it's September, October, and playoff baseball is on, you're running home, getting into the house. If the game starts at one p.m., you'll mm-hmm. be able to text the middle of the game. And there's Vin Scully calling the game, and that that was my playoff childhood, remembering those games. And I want to say we were just getting cable back then or if we had cable it might have had like 20 channels either way i mean playoff baseball was on your either your abc your, or your nbc affiliates and and day games you would you would run home and watch the game and yeah that that was a very fond memory of vince scully coming home and watching games uh, so before we go to this one here i'll, I'll uh, sort of like bit, do a bit of a flashback so in 1981 when the Expos, <laughs> all right, so kids, the, the Montreal Expos used to be the Washington Nationals. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. Classic hat. Classic hat, classic uniform. Oh, God. I remember them rolling in the TV. This is so weird to say, rolling in the TV because the TV was on a, on a trolley. Oh, you hit one of those. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. So, so because it would have been eighty-one, and that would have been the against the Dodgers, where whereas the Expos were possibly going to go to the World Series, and they didn't. <laughs> but I, I, I remember more Tommy Lasorda running around, thinking like, "How the fuck is he running around when he's this fat?" And, 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 then, and you know, he wasn't that fat. 
Yeah, but he, but he got bigger. Yeah, well, he was pretty fat then, but in the years later, he was he was a slim fast guy. <laughs> but but you know, like I, I still remember that, like a uh, Blue Monday, Rick Monday, sort of like putting that out there uh, and and bringing the Dodgers to the nineteen eighty one World Series, and God, five years later, here we are at this point, and it looked like it was. A lock. I, I, I'm trying to remember. Did I think it was a lock for the Boston to win? Kind of felt that way. I know I was watching that game. I remember I watched this full game, but I remember what I thought I remembered and how it actually went isn't quite right. the same thing. Right. Well, again, you're talking 1986, and I forgot how dominant Roger Clemens was that year. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're talking on the broadcast. Oh, he threw 130 pitches in this out. I'm like, what are you talking about? 130 pitches. You, you, I mean, what was it, Santana a few years ago for the Mets that did 120 to get his no-hitter? And I think that was probably the most recent ridiculous pitch count by a starting pitcher in my current memory. And that ended up ruining his career. But Roger Clemens throwing down 130 pitches in a previous outing during that—I mean, that's just ridiculous. Well, and that's really some of the interesting things that are good, and I—I'd say good and bad in some ways. I think the pitch counts helped pitchers and also ruined baseball. In what, like, I, I think micromanaging the pitching staff. Has probably hurted hurt more arms than benefited them, and I know I many sound clips from Nolan Ryan basically saying you just got to throw the ball, you know you got to do your long tossing, you got you got to get your work in to build up the arm, mm-hmm. and I I'm not sure if that's being done at various levels of baseball. No, no, it really isn't. Uh, so let's look at the the starting lineup. So. Boston, Wade Boggs, third base, Marty Barrett, second, Bill Buckner. I want to say my namesake, but no, B-U-C-K, <laughs> I'm B-U-C-H. I will admit that at this time, I said I did not want to have any association. We'll get there. Jim Rice, batting fourth, left field. Uh, Dwight Evans, right field, fifth, Rich Gedman. Dave Henderson, who, oh, shit, I'll make this joke now. I thought it was Florida Evans from Good Times. Okay. Thank you. Thank you for those over 40 who get that joke. Uh, I'm going to hold my tongue. All right. Spike Owen and then Roger Clemens for the Mets. Dykstra, Lenny Dykstra, center field, Wally Bachman. Keith Hernandez, Gary Carter. Did you see Wally Bachman? Yeah. Is it like Bachman Turner Overdrive? Well, baby, you ain't seen nothing yet. <laughs> it must be the Canadian. I always pronounce it Bachman, but maybe that's just my Buffalo accent. That no, no, it's it's uh, well, Bachman is with the B A C H. So yeah, no, this is me. Okay, no, I, I, I just. Yeah, you ain't seen nothing. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I'm digressing. No, it's 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 all good. At the end of this, maybe I'll tell you when uh, 
my, I actually met uh, Randy Bachman in Winnipeg with a hotel at a hotel with my really? dog. Oh, that's cool. Well, no, no, he no because uh, my I had a little corgi and my we still have and my corgi was uh, a little puppy and nobody paid attention to Mister Bachman. <laughs> So yeah, he got he got he got he got planked by a dog, and so like I, I remember this, we were both checking into the Fairmont Winnipeg, and so it's like, all right, so we're here to ch- to check in, Mister Bachman, and then it's like, oh my god, look at this little corgi! <laughs> <laughs> oh, his poor rock star ego. Uh, uh, anyway, Keith Hernandez. <laughs> Keith Hernandez, Gary Carter, uh, batting cleanup. Daryl Strawberry, we got so much for him. Ray Knight at six. Mookie, Mookie Wilson. Rafael Santana and Bob Ojeda. Bob Ojeda. Damn, that's a good lineup. That is such a good lineup. Oh my God, it was. It so was. And, oh God, we're going to talk about so much more of what this Mets team should have been. I feel like they won a World yeah. Series by fluke, even though this was the most talented team of the mid-'80s. It was. and I, I, I mean, we glossed over the, the pharmaceutical end of it, and maybe that played a role, but, I mean, who knows? Oh, who knows? we ain't glossing yet, man. We're, we're going there. <laughs> oh, put the children to bed. Oh, yeah, Exactly. So, top of the first. Top of the first. This is I for I was reading like a back backstories of this, and they kind of got it wrong in in some ways. So, like, so the, I should mention this is in New York. So this is in Shea Stadium. Uh, the Red Sox mm-hmm. were up three to two. So it looked like they were set to win the well. They were probably going to win, but the thing that right mound absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. The thing that blew my mind more than anything else was in Bill Buckner, and Buckner is going to be the star of this show, not ju- not just the guy talking, obviously. But he's batting, and then some clown just shows up in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> oh my God! You're reading my mind. You're reading my mind. Go ahead. Yeah. So a guy. And I'm, I'm, I'm trying to put this in a 2021 perspective where a fan man or just, just flies into the yes. sky from the yes. sky, drops in. I guess I get I don't even know how the, you even do that. Uh, you know, uh, post 9-11, if that tra- happened today, you probably got shot down. Yes. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, I, don't, I, I mean, you're talking about flying a plane in a major metropolitan, in airspace where you have, what, LaGuardia and JFK. Mm-hmm. I mean, how, I, I don't know. I, I guess things were a lot looser back in 86. Oh, my God, yes, because okay. he, he dropped in sort of like right in the infield, and there's Vince Scully like, <laughs> and then Joe Garagiola like, hey, well, you didn't have to like go through traffic. <laughs> what the fuck? Exactly, cracking jokes. And I'm thinking, and again, just fast forward to say, well, okay, I, I guess it could have been a terrorist back in 86, but no, not really, because he's just a Mets fan, and he's got his 15 seconds of fame. Yeah, and we're and I had totally forgotten about that. Oh, so I did I? That had totally slipped my mind. Well, the funny thing is... I'm like, 
Like, oh yeah, that happened. I don't remember that, but I read a bunch of shit before I watched the game again, and they got it wrong. <laughs> You did your homework. You know, I, I may be a bit of a triathlete, but you're the better student than I am. No, that's because I'm a nerd. <laughs> so, yeah, but I was reading a bunch of that, but they got it wrong because they said it, like, right before the game. No, it didn't happen before the game. It happened during, like, right after Buckner's first pitch. Right, right. And, and, and I guess, I mean, you look back on it, maybe that was the omen. You know, does, does, does any good happen when a parachuter jumps and comes in the middle of your at-bat or a fan man comes into the middle of your ring during your boxing match? Does, that, is, is, does anything good ever come from that? that that'd be a good uh, analytics thing to go over at, a, at a, another time, just to get the spreadsheet going on uh, parachute jumpers, fan men. I guess uh, back in the day, Morgana, the kissing bandit, that, that might have been a good thing. I don't know what that did to picture ERA after she got done doing her thing. Oh but, yeah, God. I mean, Bill Buckner got flustered by the parachuter. But I think, I think we're going to go through more with Bill Buckner just being flustered, period. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he did, he did not have a good game at the play. No. No, he did not. So, like, that happened. I, and also, too, as they're walking him outside, I think it was uh, – I could be mistaken, but they just like walk him through the Mets dugout, and there was uh, I, I I could be mistaken on who it was. I, I want to say, crap, who was that uh, half Hawaiian pitcher for the Mets? He wore number fifty. Uh, yeah, I can't think of his name. God damn it! I know it. I I I, I know exactly who it was because he was actually in. Uh, that that horrible movie with uh, Jack Black and uh, oh crap, what's her name? Gwyneth Paltrow. Jack Black. Oh, Shallow Hal. Yeah, Shallow Hal. Was that it? Okay. Yeah, yeah. So like he, so he was in that. So Ron Darling. There we go. Thank you. All right. There you go. I'm pretty sure it's Ron Darling. That, by the way. I'm sorry. He's a, he's a decent broadcaster. I, I like listening to him call a game, uh, yeah. uh, call our commentary. There, there's not a lot who are any good. But, yeah, so Ron Darling, <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure it was Ron Darling who just like, hey, how you doing? And then as they're dragging him out there, like like through the, through the Mets bullpen, like, hey, hey, hey you did well. <laughs> Holy <laughs> shit. Happy 1986, guys. Crazy, crazy. But yeah, top of the first, nothing really happens for Boston. No, I mean, Wade got his single that was a pinball single. I believe it went off the third baseman's glove, off the shortstop glove, mm-hmm. and he made it to first. Yeah. And yeah, Marty Barrett flied out to center, Bill Buckner flustered by uh, the parachuter. Yeah, although I shouldn't say nothing happened because, like, uh, Evans did uh, bring home Boggs. True. Yeah, so we got one nothing Boston off the top of the off the top of the first. Uh, whether Buckner was flustered or not, I don't know, but I'm going to believe he is, and I'm going to go to that later, based on okay. something that Vin Scully said. Because I like I for me Vin Scully is a god. Uh, bottom of the first, nothing really happens. Uh, Clemens, 
Holy shit. Watching oh, young Rog, Roger Clemens. Holy crap. I mean, he was on fire. Strikes mm-hmm. out Dykstra, strikes out Backman. Mm-hmm. Gets Hernandez to make an off to center, and then you're done. Three up, three down. Yeah. I, I remember, I think it was that year that, I, like, at Exhibition Stadium, I did, I'm pretty sure it was either that year or the year after. No, it's got to be that year that I saw Clemens at Exhibition Stadium. Yeah. yeah that, that's Yeah, that's 86, man. Like, that would have been also, was, yeah. Uh, have you ever been to Toronto during the the exhibition? I, I did not get there during the exhibition. Mm-hmm. Uh, never was at Exhibition Stadium. Well, the exhibition's cool. Exhibition Stadium, not so much. Okay. I, I imagine that's been torn down many, many years. Yeah, no, no, it has. Uh, pretty much what that is, just a, for those not listening, it's a giant fair right around the world's worst baseball stadium. You know, safe to say. <laughs> like, that stadium was shit for what it was for Major League Baseball. Having said that, it was a pretty cool fair. Okay. Well, most, most fairs are, are very entertaining. Uh, when you become of age, you get to hear, hit beer tents and all that other fun stuff. Yeah. I got a lot of beer stories. I'll leave that for later. <laughs> <laughs> That'll be another podcast show. Oh, dear God. On the Not in the Hall of Fame Network. Well, yeah. Do I have, God, do I have a network? Look at that. All right, so the top of the second... Uh, <laughs> The uh, the Red Sox are up and just feels like I'm trying to remember what I remembered watching this because I know I watched this game at home. I remember watching it up. What tr- what sort of trickled to my memory later wasn't the same, but it just felt like the red like felt like the Red Sox were deemed to win the entire time. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I mean it, it's I mean. And again, I'll, I'll just insert my own personal feelings here. Being a Yankees fan, I was going to ask. This was a, probably the only time I ever rooted for the Mets and took glee in what eventually happened to the Red Sox at the end of the series. But yeah, I mean, it, it's it's very just to be able to watch a game. I don't want to say without any emotional attachment. But to just take it all in, and again, Clemens was dealing. And it's when you got a picture that's on like that, it is fun to watch. And, I mean, years later, you had the Glavin and Maddox commercial, Chicks Dig the Long Ball, which is, was a hysterical ad campaign. If, if you want, It's on YouTube somewhere. Do yourself a favor. If you've never watched it, check it out. It's hysterical. But just seeing someone mow down batters like Clemens, and again, we d- discussed it earlier, that Mets lineup was incredible. So, so Glenn, did you grow up what, like, because uh, like in Buffalo, it's conceivable that you could be a Jays fan, a Yankees fan, a Red Sox fan, a Mets fan, a Pirates fan. Right. And uh, you're, you're back in, and I can't even remember what year it was, where the Telecommunication Act took control of 
the national airwaves in our country. Prior to that, and this is with football also, mm-hmm. but particularly baseball, you'd obviously get the Blue Jays on whatever Canadian network had them for that season. Uh, Yankee games we get on WPIX out of New York. Mm-hmm. Mets games we would get out of, I think, WWOR might have been mm-hmm. the TV station. And, and then, yeah, we'd get the occasional Cleveland game piped in. Oh, wow. Okay. And I think a Pittsburgh game piped in. So, yeah, there were, yeah, you would get, I mean, most, usually Mets or Yankees because, I mean, just the, the, the Yankees were around for so long. And you had that short drive down the 90 to Cleveland. I mean, I remember my grandfather telling me stories where they just felt like going to a Yankee game, drive down there and pick up tickets for a scalper for an ungodly low amount of money. Mm-hmm. They'd get the ticket and they'd be in box seats up down the first baseline, which just blew my mind. But yeah, I mean, it, Western New York is a melting pot. Uh, I got the Buffalo Bisons here that are the AAA franchise. And yeah, I think we... We were the minor league affiliate for the Pirates at one time, the Mets at one time, currently the Blue Jays. And I want to say we were the farm team for the Indians for a while. So you do get a hodgepodge of fan base here, but it, it is Yankee dominant. Really? Okay. Oh, yeah. I was, I was kind of curious about that. Yeah. Because yeah. Yeah, uh, when I was growing up, it was all over the place. Well, I mean, obviously it was all Jays. Well, I won't say all Jays, but... In terms of what you could get elsewhere, it was Yankees or nothing else, really. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, you know, when I was a kid. So I was just sort of curious, like, how it is for you in Buffalo. All right. So we got uh, – so top of the second, uh, Boston goes up 2-0. Uh, Barrett, two-out single. You don't think of Marty Barrett as a, as a star, but he kind of was a subtle star in this game. He had a monster game, and mm-hmm. we'll get later when we get to the end of this. I, I'll bring up a point that is just hysterical that falls under the "Don't count your chickens before they're hatched." Yeah. Uh, don't do anything until the last out's made, and anything can happen until you hit that twenty-seven. Mm-hmm. But I, I had a little chuckle at the end of the game in the ninth inning. I already, I already know where that where that's going. Yeah. Until you do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, yeah, so two nothing here on the top of the first. Wow! And watching this at the at the bottom of the of the second, Daryl Strawberry versus uh, Roger Clemens, future teammates on uh, Springfield's uh, team. I hope you get that, people <laughs> listening. Shave those sideburns, Mattingly. <laughs> nice, nice. Obviously, you did. All right, so no better than Steinbrenner. Yeah. So right here, I just want to like get to this point. This is something I wanted to ask you right before we go any further. Holy okay. fucking shit! We've got the Red Sox Mets, nineteen eighty six, Clemens versus uh-huh. Strawberry. Neither of them, because you and I are Hall of Fame people. That's why we, we yes. became sort of like, uh, well, I'm going to say friends, even though we've never met. 
Absolutely. Well, in this day and age of the internet, your friendship knows no distance or bounds or even person-to-person contact. Sure. So here we have two of the biggest names then who remained yes. big names. And holy fuck, the, the amount of non-Hall of Famers in this game who should be Hall of Famers, Clemens, Strawberry, who probably should have been had he not fucked himself up, Dwight Gooden, and I'll get to him later. Keith Hernandez. These are are four names who are bigger to me than probably the next four baseball Hall of Famers, which might be, what, Scott Rowland? I like Scott Rowland. Scott Rowland's not a bigger name than any of these guys. No, I think... I mean, you got to look at the period, and I'm not sure that voters look at periods. Mm-hmm. I mean, they may look at the overall numbers and not realize, I mean, when Daryl Strawberry was in the batter's box, I mean, you did not go to the concession stand. Oh, God, no. I mean, and, and you got to base, and I don't want to get up on my soapbox, but I very well may do that. I mean, you, the analytics, the numbers, they're fine. And if you're talking about a tweener Hall of Famer or something to get over the edge, fine, go by the numbers. But again, we've discussed this in in the other platforms. You know these guys' careers. If you were drafting today, who would you draft? And Daryl Strawberry put fear in the hearts of pitchers. He Mm -hmm. could change the game with one swing. And that's kind of the definition of a Hall of Famer, particularly if he does it for a period of time. That's my opinion. The ironically thing, though, is that they they mentioned how he didn't, like during in this uh, broadcast. Right. Yeah, bicycle, which which you'll sort of do, but yeah, I totally agree with you. Like Strawberry, for me, like uh, one of my closest friends in the world, he was he grew up a a Mets fan, and I'll I'll sort of like uh, bring up his fandom now. Loved Strawberry, loved Gooden, hated Gary Carter. Well, Gooden too. I mean, whenever he took the hill, I mean, you you watched. Absolutely, absolutely. And they, here we have this Mets team. And, and mm-hmm. That whole lineup. Yeah, and I actually brought up some quotes from some of these guys that I want to bring up after because this team should have won so much more, and they didn't. I'm trying to think. What, what was it, two years later? Did, did they, they made it to the... Did they make it to the National League Championship Series? I think the year after. I'm not positive. No, 88. Was it L.A. and... Oh, I can't... Who, who did L.A. beat to go to the World Series? Was it the Mets? I'm uh, not. I, I don't know. I did not research my 1988. I just focused on 86. But you're right about the, this. 86 team should have had two, three World Series. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. While you're looking at that, I I, I will say this. I'm just sort of like uh, bringing up a note that I wrote here by Scully on the top of the yeah. first. Uh, where he was talking about the immobility of Bill Buckner. <laughs> a 
precursor of things to come. Yeah, there was more, man. There was a few more because, like, that was like, and that was when uh, Wally Backman was at, was at play. Uh, so there, like, and was that was that revolving around the fact that, and again, going, uh, Garagiola kept bringing up, well, they got a bunt, they got a bunt, they got to make him move. And I think he he was stressing that I think in his commentary in the fourth inning he got a bunt to get something going, and that's just another aspect of where baseball's gone to where they're talking about bunting to get a rally going, and you don't see that today. Yeah, what's a bunt? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, what's a bunt? What's a stolen base? And as much as I'm going to mm-hmm. shit on Daryl Strawberry, Strawberry did get on. Uh, on base twice and stole twice. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to shit on strawberry later, but <laughs> it's your show. You can do whatever you want. <laughs> it's our show, my friend, but our show. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. I appreciate it. Don't have a name for it. Maybe I will in the opening when I re-edit this, but yes, <laughs> 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 but uh, no, I mean, it, it, it's all part of that. And mm-hmm. I don't remember who it was who said this. I, I forget who, but it might have been even a different sport. But, when we, again, you and I became acquainted because of three words, Hall of Fame. Right. The last, last word in that is fame. Daryl Strawberry will be more famous than, let's say, Scott Rowland or Abreu. Bobby Abreu might, I don't think Abreu will get in, but I, I, I think you know the type of player I'm talking about. Yes, yes, I mean, synonymous with the game. Yeah. In the 1980s, people paid money to watch Strawberry. They, nobody, no, absolutely. Yeah. I don't know how many people paid to say, like, all right, come on, kid, we're going to go see uh, Scott Rowland hit one out. <laughs> And I like Roland. Don't get me wrong. I, I'm not shitting on Scott Roland. I like the, I love him. I would love for him to have been a J for like 20 years, and I would have been so happy. No, you're, you're, yeah, I, I, I feel you. I, I feel the exact same way. I mean, there, I mean, he's he's got all the stats, but I mean, yeah, Daryl Strawberry, not yeah. in the Hall of Fame. I don't get it. Yeah. So second inning. Uh, Barrett brings out a good Barrett. Inning hmm? Good inning for the match. Yeah, but or no uh, bad inning. Well, and, what am I looking at? But the, but the, no, the oh, Red so- the Red Sox go up two and uh, two nothing. Uh, Barrett with a two out right. single scores a spike Owen. I forgot all about this guy. And here's an interesting thing too, because like I was a baseball card guy. There's not one guy out of all the players that I saw here that I didn't remember. I remembered every single one of them. I, I, I knew Spike Owen existed. I knew he had a stint with the Yankees for a bit. In fact, I forgot about that. But, yeah, I mean, they're, the whole line, I mean, they're, yeah. I mean, the Red Sox lineup, the Mets lineup, I mean, those are the names. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Spike Owen wasn't necessarily that guy, but he did. he, he had a great game. Uh, for this one, mm-hmm. uh, Boston's up two nothing. Uh, going to the going to the third. Well, I guess a name we should mention here, who was the the Mets pitcher, who if this happened today, 
uh, Bob Ojeda would have been uh, kicked off the mound. But while I was sort of like looking back at the rosters, and I don't know how many pitchers they had on each team, but only eight pitchers from each team, <laughs> Red Sox and, and Mets. Like, I'm thinking Between like, the two teams. Well, yeah, I'm thinking like, holy yeah. fuck. Like, that, that blew my mind, which is... Oh, I know. When I'm, when I'm thinking about, like, like what each team's now got... Like, it's not impossible that I can see a game now with eight play eight pitchers go for one team. No, you're right. You're right. Wait, was it eight pitchers? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. I got seven pitchers. Oh, so I saw eight pitchers from each team who played in the whole World Series. Oh, okay. I was oh, like, oh, all from the whole. Wow. Well, from each no, you side. Could, you could, in today's game, you you yeah. In the playoffs, I mean, it's you got arms coming in left and right. That's incredible. I didn't realize that. And and that they, yeah. And it's not like we've actually added more pe- players that many that much more players in the roster. No, you haven't. So, like for me, like that was like one of the more interesting things. So, it's, or my my gut instinct from a twenty twenty one lens is like, oh crap! Uh, they're they're letting him they're letting Oyedo pitch. <laughs> oh yeah, of course I mean, they are. Who else are they going to bring? There were a couple times where they had someone up in the bullpen getting ready to pull, pull Ojeda. Mm-hmm. He managed to get his six innings in, which mm-hmm. again, solid start, solid playoff start. That it, it's that shit was so unique to me. Like also too, like like a few things in terms of visuals with that, and we're so in tune to watch how many pitches somebody has. Mm-hmm. And this might have been the first game. I don't know if it was the first game, but. Like this game where they actually talked about how many pitches uh, Clemens had. We'll get to that. But just all this other shit. Uh, Vin Scully, after he retired, he said something where he said, like, I'm not sure I could keep going because some of the stats I just can't wrap my head around. (laughs) Oh, the analytics got Vin Scully out of the game. In some ways, yeah. I mean, and one of the ones he said was, Exit velocity. And about a couple, a week and a half ago, Twitter went nuts because Otani hit a pitch for a home run for 115 miles an hour. And my first thought was like, what fucking difference does it make? <laughs> it's like, it only needs to go over the fence. It yes. doesn't need to go X amount of feet over the fence at 120 miles an hour. I mean, it's it's a stat that, I mean, it, again, it's, we're going back to chick stick the long ball, and okay, how hard is your long ball? No pun intended. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's, yeah. I mean, it's just, it, I guess it's just a stat to get people in the stands, get people riled up. Hey, whatever works, sure, but, like, but I looked at that, it's like, okay, does a 90 mile an hour fast, like, exit velocity change how many runs you get? 
No? Then I don't yeah. give a fuck. Yeah. It's, it's not like there's... <laughs> unless they put, like, a big white line in the stands. Like, hey, if you hit it past this white line in the stands, you get an extra run. So, like, a three-point line or something like that. But then that's just, like, video game baseball. Well, no, it was sort of like taking, like, what Otani did from trying to, like, put analytics towards something that you could see with your eyes. I don't need your analytics to know that what Otani did was fucking impressive. What do I know? And the fact that he does what he does on the field as a whole is just impressive. Absolutely. I mean, he... The question with him is, can he stay healthy? I hope so. And I wish he could stay healthy. I wish he could stay healthy. Because it'd be fun just to see him play on both ends. Oh, my God, for sure. So, moving on, we've got uh, third inning, fourth inning, uh, still 2 nothing Boston. Barrett does really well on the top of the fifth, hitting off Ojeda, but, again, still 2 nothing. Strawberry does a leadoff walk. I want to bring that up because we're going to talk about Strawberry later, who might be the Sammy Sosa of that day. Because whatever <laughs> Strawberry did, like, yeah, it's great, but, like, it never counted. Yeah. But at the same time, so he walks on the, top, on the bottom of the fifth and then steals and, like, I, when I was watching Strawberry, and this might be sort of like my PD eyes looking at that. So here's a guy who's six foot six. Didn't it feel like four feet of him were feet or legs? Oh, he's all legs. I mean, he's probably got like a forty-five inch inseam or something crazy like that. I. But yeah, he just he he. he yeah, I mean. And you know, it's funny. They say, well, stealing bases, the legs get in the way. And they kind of said the same thing with Bernie Williams, how he had the long legs and the galloping strides and really was, well, no, he he, he could steal bases at the right time. And Strawberry got on with a walk, stole second base, and put himself in scoring position. Mm -hmm. I mean, what else do you want in a playoff six? And he did it all without a bunt. Which, again, is depending on what school of thought, if you're going to do the money ball, we're okay, we'll take your bunt, we'll take the out. That's fine. But if you can do that without sacrificing, yeah, he did his job in a pressure situation. Not the best segue that I've ever done, but I've been watching – you ever see DJ Vlad on YouTube? No. Okay. So he interviewed uh, – this must have been recent – Jose Canseco. And, yeah, I know there's a lot of jokes there just saying Canseco. But Canseco talked about when he did the 40-40. And he was mentioning how the year before he did that, uh, he was – he really wanted to do that. Like uh, get 40 stolen bases. And he hired somebody who was a sprint coach. You know, there, there, there's something about the art of the stolen base. And, and again, when I was younger, like, it was not uncommon to see a stolen base guy get 
hey, you got 70 stolen bases, so too bad you're third. Well, no, I mean, the 80s were the, the that, that was probably the running decade between Ricky Henderson and Vince Coleman mm-hmm. just throwing down insane stolen base numbers. And, I mean, I don't have it handy, but, I mean, I want to say Coleman had an 80 stolen base year, something insane like that. I mean, it, it's just crazy. Absolutely yeah. crazy. I'm trying to look here. I mean, the big, I mean, yeah, everybody makes a big deal of 40 40. And you pull up someone like Eric Davis, who was quintessential speed and power, had a 37 50 campaign and a 27 80 campaign. But I, I guess the symmetry of 40 40 makes it all that more majestic. Mm hmm. And I'm not saying Eric Davis was better than Jose Canseco or vice versa, but it's just how we look at numbers and we like the nice round numbers and the 500 home runs, the 100 stolen bases and what have you. And how just a couple short here and there, just he, a player doesn't get the pub that a Canseco got. All right. So, so here we are halfway through the game at the end of the fifth. Uh, this was my first gut thing. And, I always want to look at the eye test, and sometimes I forget the eye test. When I looked at the eye test of the first five innings of this game, there was like two superstars. It was Clemens and Strawberry. Yes. Even though Strawberry, we're going to talk about later, didn't really sort of like measure up, which also ties in with advanced analytics. In some way. Yeah, I mean, um, I look at them, but again, I, I again, I'm in the eye test. I mean, and we've discussed this with the NFL side of the mm-hmm. Hall of Fame, and my my love affair with uh, Tasker. How you look at stats, and it just doesn't measure up. But when you watch a guy's career and you see how he affects a game, that's that matters. Oh, totally, totally. Uh, before we go into the next thing, there there's something that I don't think I ever got to mention. Uh, I read an interview with Barry Bonds. This would have been, I want to say pre-PED, potentially. It's when he was a pirate. And, well, yeah, because he was talking about how his biggest inspiration was a player. I'm, I'm probably saying this wrong, but this is the way I remember reading it. From a catcher on his team named Mike Lavalier. Uh, Bonds batted lower than Lavalier. If you look up Mike Lavalier, he looked like Spanky from the Little Rascals, which is why he was named Spanky. And, and then Bonds pretty much said, "Like, how the hell is somebody who looks like that having a better batting average than me? Mainly because he worked harder than I did." No, okay. that, that that might make sense. Yeah, now that might have been the spiral for other things that he did later. But, I mean, I think there's something to it where I'm looking at some of these 80s guys who, like when I look at Daryl Strawberry, Strawberry was clearly the best player on that field. He did not have the best game. That should not have happened. But it did. No, yeah, you're right. And again, the human factor. And again, I, I just looked at the 86 game. 
and I look at what he did throughout the whole series. I can't remember offhand if he had that great of a series. He had a bad series. Yeah, I mean, it, go ahead. No, he had a terrible series. Scully's going to tell us about it. So, so I guess I guess we'll move on here. So, top of the six, we got a two-two score. Uh, remains that way. Uh, Clemens uh, is batting. I've never seen Roger. Well, I'm sure I have, but I don't remember watching Roger Clemens bat. Watching Roger Clemens bat. Yeah, but didn't it look like he, he looks like somebody who should know how to bat and he doesn't? Well, when you're as big as he is, and as athletic looking as as he is at that stage in his career, you would think he would be able to get a couple good swings in. Which he couldn't. No. And then that can go back to the whole debate as should pictures be hitting, but that's, again, for another mm-hmm. podcast. Right. So go, we go to the bottom of the six, and this is the first time, I, like, I, re- I thought, incorrectly, obviously, that when we were going to look at this show, it's like, Hey, we're not. We're going to look at a baseball game where they're not talking about pitch counts, and they talked about <laughs> pitch counts. Fuck, was I wrong? So they talked about Clemens uh, opening the bottom of the six with ninety-nine pitches going into it. Like, I don't remember in the eighties people talking about pitch counts, but obviously I was wrong. Like, any thoughts on that? Well, yeah, I, I, again, I, I thought pitch count was pretty much last decade and this decade and 80s, they just pretty much threw them out there and say, here, throw until your arm falls off. Mm-hmm. But uh, again, I mean, a different era. I mean, I don't know if they paid attention to pitch counts. I mean, maybe the, the announcers pointed it out. But, I mean, you, you look at, geez, what Nolan Ryan put up, what... And these are hard throw. I mean, it's not like these are curveball, softball pictures that are put, or even, well, you can't really count the knuckleball as a, I I, got to watch what I say here. Uh, Knuckleballers could stay out there forever. Mm -hmm. And it seems like in their heyday, the Roger Clemenses, the Nolan Ryans could stay out there for a long time, but they're throwing gas. I think with this bottom of the six here, so he fans Carter and Strawberry uh, back-to-back. Uh, and then there's a, a graphic that comes up how Strawberry has been stranded 11 batters in five games. I had Sammy Sosa flashbacks. <laughs> <laughs> and shit like that. And then, and then Carter, and then they, they go to Carter, who's miserable. It's like, Holy shit, that man perm. You didn't like that? Uh, I don't know that. Okay, well, you know, the funny thing is, too, well, I don't know that I liked it. I, I think I could pull that off brilliantly because I'm just that guy. <laughs> but Maybe you could. I think I could. Maybe you could. I could. But I did a, I did a Google search. Like, just because like, I was talking to, my, to a good friend of mine, like uh, one of my closest friends back in Canada loves the Mets from that era. Like, he, like he's got his strawberry uh, retro jersey, his good retro jersey, but he hates Gary Carter. Nice. Like, hates Gary... Well, 
and it might be because he's black and Carter's white. And I ask him that, and he says, "Yeah, probably." <laughs> oh, <laughs> well, at least he's honest. Oh, totally, totally. So, so, so we'll bring that up. And then I looked a bit like a Gary Carter at that point, and then I found right before we, we started, I, I called you up. Uh, Carter, like the Mets. This is a good time to sort of like talk about the the shit storm that was the Mets. <laughs> well, it's, it is New York City. It is. It is. But I mean, like they were complete. Okay, let me bring. Okay, actually, let me bring this up here. It was uh, something I found from Dwight Gooden, letter to my younger self on the Atlantic or Players Tribune. If I could. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read from Dwight Gooden here. Go right ahead. All right. From Dwight Gooden. I can't believe I have to tell you this, but the reason fans are following you to the grocery store is because you decided to put a strip that said, Mr. Dwight on the windshield of your Camaro. You'll remember this car as the one with the bunny rabbits painted on the sides. Oh, and the big fuzzy dice. Try to practice a little discretion. The Jerry Curl, Large Medallion, The Gold Teeth. Your rocking won't do you much to help you blend in either. Your teammates won't say shit to you. I'm, I'm paraphrasing here. But they're talking about you. I fucking am so happy I found this. I'm just trying to get the visual going right now. Yeah. And, and, and that's... Gooden just pretty much because Dw- here we have a Mets team. Dwight Gooden, Keith Hernandez, uh, Strawberry, thank you. Uh, three players who snorted their way out of the Baseball Hall of Fame. Yeah, basically, which is. It, I'm not going to. Well, I mean. Cocaine is a stimulant, so in theory, it should help their performance, but I guess if you abuse anything, it, there is detrimental effects on your playing of the baseball game. Well, there's that, but there's also what they're using that to overcome their partying of the nights before. <laughs> this is, I, well, I mean, and I think we've touched on it a little bit in the baseball forum when we talk about the performance enhancing. But, I mean, you look at, and it might be New York. And I don't know how much of the movie 61 was based on fact. Mm-hmm. But you look at what Mickey Mantle did the night before games. And the fact that there's bowls of greenies in the locker room for players to get themselves up to play the next day. I mean, I, I guess it's just choose your judge. Uh, choose your drug depending on what era you're in. Sure, sure. But but there's still something to the fact that, well, I can't say, not so much for Hernandez, but when we, when you and I saw Strawberry and Gooden in the 80s, and then those two players survive through the 90s just based on what talent they had left though like that should have been Ken Griffey and Bob Gibson and they weren't yeah no you're you're absolutely right 
You're absolutely right. So it's like this Mets team should have been to a hell of a lot more than just one World Series. Oh, absolutely. And they, and they I mean, they did get to the 88 National League Championship Series and lost in seven to the Dodgers. Mm-hmm. But that, I mean, that was just Oral Hershiser's year. I mean, he was, he, he was amazing that year. That, and that might be a future show. But yeah, like the, like the whole Mets thing. Uh, oh, shit, let me bring up something here uh, from this, which I think is good here. Uh, from, from Gooden. Let me bring this up here. All right, here's another thing. Take a moment to thank the Lord that social media will not exist during your playing career. The entire 1986 team would have been locked up. And you know what? I think every athlete, oh, geez, what's the time frame here? Probably from the beginning of time to 2000 and whatever year, Facebook, Twitter, and all that stuff came out or thankful that there was no such thing as social media. Oh, no doubt. There was no such thing as phones with cameras or anything of the like, because all our heroes would probably be in a lesser light. Michael Jordan, we're looking at you. <laughs> but, you know, I don't want to go back to that before we sort of like go back to this game. This is sort of like why I consider just life the great equalizer. I, re- I really do. Because... Life, life the great equalizer. Here, I, no. I, go ahead, I can't wait to hear this. All right. They're all shitting on Gary Carter. Gary Carter's dead. Hernandez is alive. Strawberry is alive. Gooden is alive. I was out like in, when I was back in the mountains in Canada. There was this this girl. She would like work her ass off. She's like doing. She's doing all this, all this stuff. It's like I'm like uh, like I can't believe you're out here drinking. Like yeah, I'm gonna outlive you. Like what do you mean? Like look at you. You've called in sick 15 fucking times, you goddamn cunt. <laughs> I never have. Oh. Sorry, I shouldn't have said that. What did but, that woman do these days? <laughs> but, uh, but I'm going to, and I, I looked at her and said, I'm going to outlive you. I will outlive you. I'm a complete train wreck. And what, here's what I've learned from studying athletes. We all die around the same time. Uh, you know, you're right. Kind of, you're Absolutely yeah. right. Yeah. <laughs> Moving on! No, I, I strike that. we got to keep that segment in here. Oh, no, I'm keeping it in. I'm not editing anything yet. It's way too much work. Okay, where are we? Strawberry uh, top, grounded up. Uh, top of the seventh. Uh, top of the seventh. We've got uh, so McDowell. We've enter- got a pitching change. Yeah, uh, Roger McDowell enters the game. Uh, Barrett uh, Barrett comes out. Buckner uh, he's out again. Uh, Rice gets on, and this is the big thing. Uh, Knight uh, Ray Knight overthrows. Yes. And did you remember that Ray Knight used to date or was married to Nancy Lopez? You know, I do remember that. And the only reason I know that 
is for some reason my grandfather was infatuated with that. And every time Ray Knight would come up, now he's married to Nancy Lopez. Or if you remember back in the day, or at least in America, we did the Sunday or whatever golf on CBS, and mm-hmm. they showed an LPGA tour event. Nancy Lopez again was a very good golfer in the day, and my grandfather, you know, she's married to Ray, and I don't know what his infatuation was with that. Every time, and then maybe it's just you know old people getting old; they like to point out things. But I swear to God, every time Ray Knight, Nancy Lopez. Well, you know what that, it was. That, that, but yes, I did know that. Okay, but let's look back here. Nancy Lopez was moderately attractive, right? Beauty is in the eye of the beholder, my friend. All right, so for a golfer <laughs> in the mid '80s, let's just say for a female athlete, who's she up against? I don't, I don't, I don't know. Who is the female athlete up against? I don't know, Chris Everett? And she was sort of like near done. They see, now you bring Chris Everett up. I, I had a, let's say 12-year-old Glenn had a nice crutch on her. I, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not dumping on Chris Everett or Nancy Lopez. I'm just saying that for the people who are, I guess, younger now and looking at female athletes, there's a lot of attractive women athletes. There was not in the early 80s. Uh, let me think about that. Who? Chris, uh, oh my God, you're right. So, I mean, I because here's how I remember it. I remember Nancy Lopez being this hot golfer, and then I look back, because, you know, for the show, I look back at, like, pictures of that, like, oh, really? I used to think she was hot. No, she was as hot <laughs> as the options that existed. I'm sure, there's got to be an Olympic athlete, I mean... Trying to say, well, Mary Lou Retton was too young. Olympics only matter once every four years. And back this is then, true. And back then, it was, that, that was the same year with summer and winter. And I'm trying to think of, I mean, th- that period of time, what, were, what was the women's sports landscape like outside of tennis? Okay, what would make it on TV? Your LPGA tour would make it on TV? That's it. There was no basketball. <laughs> You're right. You know, there was no women's right. basketball in the Olympics every four years. Right. So, I mean, like, and even then, like, as weird as it was, figure skating, which be, which is arguably the biggest women's one, like, like what, the, like, who was, you said Dorothy, did you say Dorothy Hamill? Yes. All right. So Dorothy Hamill, that was 76. There was no games, or no, what, was there an 80? There was a 1980, but I don't remember who won that. Like, like, Classy was 80. Okay, so. Did you say you don't remember, like, you don't remember 1980? Well, not for figure skating, I don't. Oh, okay. No, I don't, well, yeah, figure, well, yeah, you're right, I don't remember figure skating. Hockey, I do, but I'm yeah, more, figure skating, I don't yeah. have a clue. I don't know who won No, that. you're right. Yeah. So, there, there wasn't that. And I know that sort of sounds very sexist, but let's be honest, that's what it is. No, in the 80s, absolutely. I mean, you didn't, I mean, look at the landscape today. Mm -hmm. You have the WNBA. You have the various professional hockey organizations that are trying to get up and running. And women's hockey has become big in Olympic years. That's it. The soccer, 
which has just exploded women's soccer, particularly with the recent, well, in the U.S. with the women, women winning the mm-hmm. World Cup. Yeah. And the bomb that they're finally pushing and getting, attempting to get equal pay with the men's program who, let's face it, the men's soccer program in the U.S. has done shit. I they get paid more yep. versus the women's team that basically has all our World Cups. So mm-hmm. go figure. Yep. But yeah, like like but back yeah. then, Nancy Lopez was a big deal in terms mm-hmm. of women's sports. So I remember her around that time as one half of the of the Nancy Lopez Reunite Power Couple. That's that's how I remember I, yeah. it. Yeah, you beat me to the first sports power couple. Are they even still together? I have no idea. Uh, that's probably an easy Google search. Nah, I don't care. Anyway. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're already married. You can't, you're, you're not proposing to Nancy Lopez anytime soon. I, no. I, I don't think that was ever even something I was even considering. I, I have certain, <laughs> I, I have certain things that I like and, she doesn't fit that criteria. <laughs> okay. What is it are we in? Yeah. Top of the seventh. <laughs> top of the seventh. Yeah. Top of the seventh. Uh, yeah. So that's pretty much all about Ray Knight's overthrow. And NBC and Scully, they're just sort of like promoting – they're promoting how this is – it's 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 going to be Ray Knight's fail. Yes, yeah, and, and it's funny going further on when uh, the Mets do eventually make a comeback and how relieved Ray Knight is and mm. how he didn't blow the game for them. But yeah, I get what you're saying. Yeah, I mean they they sort of play that, and I guess it's what they sort of have to do when they don't have a bunch of uh, mile per hour stats that they have to run with. Uh, bottom of the seventh, uh, three up, three down, and Clemens is finished off after 135 pitches. Holy fuck! Which is crazy. Now to think about, I mean, back then it wasn't. No, well, yeah, I just and and who knows if he could have gone more? I mean, I mean, he he. What happened in the top of the eighth? He probably could have. Dave Henderson got on. Owen sacrifice bunted, and then Clemens was coming up. Well, so you figure, you figure if nothing, none of that happens, does Rogers swing for himself and then come out for the bottom of the inning? Maybe, but like in the bottom of that seventh, this is where like the Vin Scully commentary just drives me to like to where to think like he's like the. He's either a gypsy or the world's greatest prognosticator. Because in there, he says he goes on. He goes on Buckner like, "I'm gonna change his footwear here based on that." Because because he was trying to run to catch a foul ball, and then Graziola is leading the series in conversations, buddy. Holy shit! I do like impersonations. Oh, thank you. Uh, my my Scully's okay. My Garagioli, I know, is not good. I'll admit that. Like Vince Scully to me is a god. Uh, 
I'll say Garagiolo's good work because he knew when to shut the fuck up. Which is, and funny you mentioned that, and I didn't realize this, and I don't know how long Scully did it for, but back in the day when I first got direct TV and they do like the first two weeks of the baseball season, you get the free baseball package. And at the time, I'd work 3 p.m. to 11 p.m. and come home and throw on the game. Obviously, there'd be an L.A. Dodgers game on. Mm -hmm. And I'd sit down, and I'm watching it, and Vince doing his thing, going through first inning, second inning, third inning. And this is the first time I've ever watched a Dodgers home game telecast. And I'm listening. Here is the fourth. I'm thinking, he's got no one in the booth with him. He's doing this game solo. And that just blew my mind. And nor does he need anyone. Uh, Vince, and again. No, he didn't. Because it just flows. I want to say this openly to the people who aren't listening, because they're not. (laughs) (laughs) But. Come on, we got tens of listeners. Tens. uh, I'd like to think hundreds, but still, three digits, (laughs) nevertheless. All right. I don't care what somebody looks like. If they're good at what they do, just let them fucking broadcast. That's it. And like in Vince Scully, they sort of got that. Vince Scully, not that he was an unattractive individual, but like when you look at local broadcasts for like, do you have the MLB package? I do not currently. Okay. So, so, so I do. And it's like one talking head after the other. Just like, I don't care what somebody looks like. I don't see them. What do I care? So I'm guessing what you're getting at is in today's era of, I don't know, media friendliness and promotion and whatnot, they're basing their booth on what people look like and not their qualifications. Well, they have been for years, but yes. Uh, and, and Vin is just like one of those guys and – I can just think about like when I again when I was a kid like if and at some so at some point in time you and I are going to like cover an old NFL game with Pat Summerall and John Madden and somebody would look at John Madden and say like no like no because he's fucking entertaining yeah and I, and I don't understand how sports got to that point I don't know because I mean. When did it become a glamour position to be in the booth where you got to have the Halloween? I mean, I want the voice. I want the rhythm. I want, I mean, there's something just good. It never did. I think think you addressed it as being spiritual about a good play-by-play announcer. It never did, Glenn. It never did. It's just somebody who got that in their head. And it got in my head because that's something that I wanted to do when I was a kid and I convinced myself I couldn't do it. Again, maybe it's because you are looking beyond, well, your local, I was going to say your local market, but your local market is void of any type of sports, I guess. Oh, you're still, you're still in the, where are you again? Well, I'm in Barbados, but I'm just saying like when I was a kid growing up in, in Canada. Right. But I'm even talking currently. I mean, just looking at the Buffalo market, I mean, New York Yankees, you have Michael Kay. He's nothing to look at. He's not great, but he has his moments. Uh, John Sterling on the radio broadcast, he looks hideous, but he has his moments with some really great calls. Uh, Locally, from a hockey standpoint, 
uh, why can't I think of his name? The Buffalo Sabres play-by-play guy, Rick Jenneret. He's never been a Hollywood-looking person. But, man, can he call a hockey game. Because that's all that matters. And, and yeah, and, and you look at the old CBC Hockey Night in Canada, Dick Irving and mm-hmm. Harry Neal. Mm-hmm. I mean, they look like nothing from a media Hollywood standpoint. But, man, listening to them call games was just phenomenal. Because I don't know who it was that sort of, like, took that over to make people sort of, like, think that. But just, like, let people decide. And that might be why a lot of people hate Joe Buck. Joe Buck is not a bad announcer, but Joe Buck no, looks like the person who people would hate. I think Joe Buck's pretty but good. Yeah. yeah, he's good. And he just so happens to have decent looks, I guess, if you're into that kind of thing. Well, yeah, but I mean, I think that's why a lot of people say, like, I don't want to like this guy no matter what he does because he's the pretty boy with the blonde fake hair. Well, time will equal everything out. When he's doing games when he's 60, 70, and 80, he'll look ugly. Or not. Moving no, on. on. We all look ugly when we're 60, 70, 80. Uh, I, I don't know. I look, I, I'm near 50. I look a hell of a lot better than I did at 25. <laughs> well, I guess like a fine wine, you're getting better with age. There's that. I mean, I well, I'm just like alcohol. <laughs> I'll leave it at that. Uh, top of the eighth. <laughs> Uh, Boston remains up 3-2 loaded for Bill Buckner and he couldn't do anything kind of a force again it's the parachuter jinx it is I honestly think so I really do Uh, bottom of the 8th and Schiraldi comes in former Met Vince Scully is really pushing that Uh, we've got the double switch with uh, no not double switch Lee Mazzilli comes in Here's somebody who came into bunt uh, as a – I don't know if he was a rookie then. Len Dykstra. What do you remember of him? Uh, Len Dykstra with the 86 Mets. I remember him being contact hitter with a little pop, some speed on the base path, decent fielder. Mm-hmm. So, so, and, uh, so not the bankrupt guy who loves Trump? Well, really, you really want to push my buttons, huh? No, but, but the best thing about Lenny Dykstra... Glenn, I follow you on Twitter. Thing. I know where, what buttons to push. I know you do. I, 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 don't, don't make me block you, Kurt. Uh, <laughs> I can't remember what it was. And then getting a little bit off topic, Lenny Dykstra retired from baseball and then got into the financial sector. <laughs> uh he later got pumped up by Jim Cramer being a guest on his show, mm-hmm. Mad Money, several times. And then maybe a couple of years later, he was never invited to the show because he had some underdealings and illegal shenanigans going on in the financial sector. And I can't remember if he got put to, or sent to jail or just he did. banned. Yeah, he went to jail. This is okay. So, yeah, he got his. So that, that's fine. But, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll leave it at that. Yeah, so that inning is where the Mets you know, tied it back up. Uh, Gary Carter, sacrifice fly, brings it back in. Uh, so so 3-3 going into the top of the ninth. 
Uh, double switch, Aguilera to pitch. Rick Aguilera. Mm-hmm. There's a name. And you had mentioned Lee Mazzilli earlier. There's another name. Former. All these. Is it? Yeah. Former Blue Jay for a cup of coffee, if I remember right. But uh, yeah, nothing sort of like really went there. So like, it remained three three at the end of the top of the ninth. Remained that way in the bottom of the ninth. Uh, and then, go ahead. No, but you're, you're. I mean, little. What, what would we? We had a walk by nights. Fielder's choice bunt. I also remember too, like, l- like watching the broadcast. So like, uh, like even the here we got uh, Ray Knight here. Uh, here's what he looks like right now. That's a, I know it's a terrible Vince Scully impression. But, uh, <laughs> and there he is, kind of like a moping here, looking like he's uh, like uh, taking a dump, but no, he could win the whole thing. Yeah, they, they were pushing that hero aspect. They were pushing the hero. They were also pushing the goat, which is kind of funny too, which reminds me. Like, remember when we were younger? Remember back when we were younger and the goat meant like you were shook? And now a goat means greatest of all time. <laughs> you're right. Funny how that comes around. You're absolutely right. Because the goat. We, yeah, they were ready to sort of like, uh, sort of like put Ray Knight in, uh, oh, fuck, uh, what do you call it? So they, were, they were ready to give him like the injection, the lethal injection. You're the scapegoat of this game. You cost the Mets a chance at Game 7, and let's just banish you. There was actually something here. I want to go back a couple innings here, too. Uh, Okay. Where Buckner, uh, I I forget what it was. It was like a foul ball, and there was Scully saying, like, there's Buckner sort of like limping here for it, and he can't really get to it. Uh, It looks like a little – it was a bit of a like Cirque du Soleil, whatever the hell. They were like indicating how Buckner can't do shit on the field multiple times. Yeah, yeah. Then that goes back to the why aren't they bunting at Buckner? Make yes. Him work, make him try to play his position. Which, holy foreshadowing. So, top of the 10th, yeah. uh, Dave Henderson, who I wasn't sure if that was Dave Henderson or Florida Evans from Good Times. <laughs> second reference of the, the broadcast alright thank you I didn't know if anyone got that uh, but solo shot I'm here for you thank you appreciate it uh, yeah, that, that, that wasn't shot I, I, I thought right then in the, well again looking at this I'm like man how did how did the Red Sox lose this they, they got a home run and then the inning gets, gets even better for them totally uh, so then two strikeouts Owen and Shiraldi Boggs doubles, Barrett singles him home. Buckner hit by pitch, which is the highlight of his game, which is so sad. <laughs> but, you know, Rice uh, flies out. They leave. It's 5-3. You look. They're, they're doing shots in the Red Sox bullpen. You got it. You Absolutely. got this. Or dugout, sorry. Shots in the bullpen. I mean, you, you look at the win probability. Going into the bottom of the tenth, the Mets have a four percent chance to win this game. Mm-hmm. Now, now let's let's fast forward to twenty twenty one. If this game is being played, mm-hmm. you got your FanDuel, you got whatever other online app betting that does in game betting. 
you look at 4%. Hmm, maybe I should put maybe a 20 spot on this 4% chance of the Mets coming back to win this game. At least that's how I was thinking about it when I was going through some of this watching the game, obviously knowing how it ends. Yep. I'm just, okay, let, let's buckle up and see where this is going because we know where it's going, but it's it's just unbelievable that 4% chance to win that game going into the bottom of the 10th. Do you remember if you watched this game live back then? Uh, I had to go back and see. I mean, again, we're talking, I was 11 at the time. Yep. I'm 40, I'm 40 blah, 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 right now. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's tough to, I do remember watching it, but again, the memories just drift away mm-hmm. and it, it was very pleasurable watching this again, saying, Oh yeah, that happened and that happened. And it, yeah, I can't remember or it, how dominant again, I said before during this show that how dominant Clemens was and just repeatedly thinking to myself, how did the Red Sox lose this game? And then you mentioned it as a, we were doing like a monumental past game series and thinking about it. Well, it wasn't monumental for Buckner. It was horrible for the Red Sox fans. And I can't remember. I, I don't know how old our mutual friend secondhand burrito is. <laughs> he was, if he was laying in a corner in a fetal position while everything was going on in the bottom of the ninth. But yeah, I mean, it, it, it's, it has its place because this is again, and then we're going to get to it. it this is the Buckner game. Mm-hmm. And then you sit down and look at it and how overwhelmingly mm-hmm. it, just the fact that the Mets were not going to come back in the bottom of the 10. No. And then everything happened. No, and it shouldn't have. Because also too, as as I'm looking back, and here's the shit I don't, I didn't remember accurately. So we start off in the bottom of the tenth, uh, two outs right away because who, who went out? Yeah, I, did, I didn't remember that. I yeah. didn't remember that that they were down to their last out. Yeah, ba- so Backman flied out, Hernandez flied out. I forgot this completely. So that they were down five three, you know, with, with like one thing left. It's like, okay, right. like if I was one of those Mets fans in the stands, like no wonder they went fucking nuts. Like how, how can they not? So, uh, and they, and, and the broadcast too. And I, I used to watch as a kid, uh, NBC used to have the game of the week. And I, I had a flashback yeah. watching that where they had like, and here we got our Miller Lank playing of the game. And it's Marty Barrett. It's like, yeah, I, I have that written down. Yeah. I think I even paused. I paused the game, thinking, "Oh, okay, two out. The Mets have at this point a one percent chance to win. Let's call Marty Barrett our player of the game." And and again, let's look at his stat line. I mean, he had an incredible game. Mm-hmm. Where yeah. is he? There, there, there's Marty. He went three for four, had two RBIs, two walks, and. Four assists in the field? I mean, come on. And, and they have I mean, I could to. See why, why, why you would call him player. Of the, but again, I, I guess you, if you want to bring, I guess it's the jinx where you're, you're giving out player. But again, I guess you have to do that before the end of the game. And because it's sponsored by Miller exactly. Lite, you have to do it with, that, with the game still, I guess, in doubt. But not really if it's a 1% chance that the Mets are going to come back. But yeah, poor Marty. Is a player of the game, and 
I don't know whether they gave anything out for that, but yeah, he's had that taken from him. Yeah, and then they also like put up a, a graphic because they didn't put up a whole lot of graphics. So well, I that's can't. another thing about the whole broadcast and how I, I brought up on how we ever watched sports back in that day. I know, right? It's like, like how the hell do we ever watch sports without knowing how many pitches and like uh, how, how how fast so and so like pitched? But we did pitches, outscores, all that fun stuff. The players' averages, his RB, I mean, yeah, I mean that stuff is constantly up or on the screen somewhere, and there it's just there's nothing up. Right. I'm sure there are some like kids who might have watched this old game. Like, wait a minute, how the hell did he know how to pitch there without knowing where the where, the, where that box was? Come on! I'd like to give today's youth better credit than that. I give them no credit, Glenn. You know, I have to give them credit because those are going to be the ones responsible for paying my social security. I don't live in this country anymore, so I don't care. I do. That's why I said I have to worry about that. <laughs> <laughs> I, but, you're in Barbados. You're living laugh of lap of luxury on island time. Now, for now, for now, I'll probably be moving <laughs> somewhere else, buddy. But moving you on, wife's not interested in the hospitality industry down there. She is, but eventually, she's got to, her career is going to bring us somewhere else. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, exactly. Well, get your tan in now. I can't. I just go red. Sunscreen. You know, you tan gently. Tan gently. Tan gently. <laughs> tan gently. A, bad, a new film from Roger Corman. <laughs> so they bring up the screenshot here. All right, so the, the, the Chicago Cubs haven't won anything since 1909, the White Sox 1917, and the Red Sox 1918. And here and there it is the ultimate jinx. The ultimate jinx. It is. It is, but I mean, obviously that's ready there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's at someone's fingertips. So then they point to the to Dennis Boyd with the worst. All I know is this: if this is your nickname, I don't want you as my teammate. Oil can. You don't like oil can. I like oil can as long as you're not my teammate. Dennis Oilcan's going to have the game off tomorrow, looks like. Ah. Oh, oh, Gary Carter. So Gary Carter finally does does something offensively. Kevin Mitchell, here's the thing. I forgot that he was a Met. No, he was. Yeah, no, I remember that. I think I want to say at one point I had his rookie card, the 1986 Tops variety. Which again, and once it got to the '80s, it just plummeted in value, which is neither here nor there. But yeah, he, that is, I had his rookie card, and it was the Mets, and then what, he went on to the Giants after that. Yeah, well, yeah, because he was like the way I always remember Kevin Mitchell was as like a one-year wonder with the Giants with this monster power. I forgot completely that he was a Met. This was the only player that I did not remember at all. For that particular team, but pinch hit for Aguilera. Uh, so he's at first, Carter's at second. Uh, Ray Knight's up, and they they've already sort of like made him sort of like the recovering star. 
Did you notice all the no, toilet no. paper they, in the background? They, they, with, Ray Knight, with Ray Knight in the game, they, they got bumped up to a 19% chance to win. Oh, okay. So did you see like, all the toilet paper up like behind him? It's like, oh, yeah. I was what the hell's going on there? I, I, and, I mean, that blew and, my you know, mind. I was the picture at that time. Mm-hmm. If I, and, again, I mean, looking at it, you're on the ropes. You're like, okay, uh, someone, can we get someone to get that toilet paper removed just to give yourself a breather? And it just, it's just sort of there. Oh, I know. Which, again, I think I'm just sort of like going back to like everything that's sort of like going on in the field from like when we talked to earlier in the game. When just, all right, well, the toilet paper's there. Like, we're not going to do anything about that because like we just had some guy just show up. <laughs> like what the fuck? Then, yeah, today's game you got people picking up whatever cups fall onto the field and, and everything's pristine and perfect and whatnot and yeah toilet paper and behind I, not only that I believe there's a fucking sniper <laughs> like holy shit like this isn't happening but anyway night comes up night singles Carter scores alright then Bob Stanley who I comes in who I think this is just my opinion, is one of the greatest middle relievers of all time. Comes in. Yes. Yep. And Mookie Wilson, here's what I remembered from that. Like when you, when you go back to my, like to the, the history, it's like, okay, Bill Buckner cost them the world series. Well, okay. He didn't he cost them a game. No, because there was a game seven. Right. But people don't remember it that way because that's the way shit goes. Mookie Wilson, the way I remembered it in my head was not how it went. Because I remembered Mookie Wilson sort of thinking like Otis Nixon. And this is my Jays fandom. (laughs) Because like when Otis Nixon was the last at bat for the 1992 uh, Jays, Nixon couldn't do shit. And he just bunted to try to get on and he... Failed because he was Otis Nixon. Mookie Wilson right. fouled off six pitches or five pitches. Right. And so, so he, he uh, finally gets a, gets a ball through. Buckner didn't have to move that much. And then there was another thing before we get to, the, to, to what happened to Buckner. Another thing from Scully. Here we got here we got Buckner. Look at that. He's now not wearing two high tops. He was last yesterday. Didn't really go into that. Obviously, he's a fucking. He's playing with the with his head in terms of uh, what do you call it? Not paranoia. Uh, superstition. Right. What the hell was going through Bill Buckner's head when that went through? And before we get there, Boston was up five, like like two runs. In game one and game right, going two, to the bottom of the ninth, they were up two. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so game one and game two of the World Series, uh, Buckner was pulled for Stapleton, uh, Dave Stapleton, because of Buckner's shitty defense. And if you didn't believe Buckner couldn't play defense, listen to Vin Scully; he'll tell you. Well, before this game, before the tenth inning, that Bill Buckner couldn't move shit. Yes, but I mean, and again, looking at what happens, what's coming up. I mean, 
not that you and I are the greatest of athletes. You're better than me. I'd like to I'd, I'd like to think that we'd be able to go down to the ground, see the ball into our mitts, back up, and touch first base. Sure. But, but, but I bring this up because here we have a guy who was mediocre at defense. He was a great smack hitter. That's what he could do, and he did it well for years and years and years. Bill Buckner had over 2,700 hits. And there are piles of Hall of Famers who can't say that. But he's also somebody with a total B-war, if we want to believe in that, and I do. Uh, So like war, like war of under 20, well under 20. And McNamara – go ahead. Go ahead. Well, I was going to say – With that being said – I mean, and I'm trying to remember back to that era. Was the defensive substitution in vogue? It was because McNamara pulled him twice in game one and game two. Okay, then, then I, I, yeah, I, I don't know why he was still in while you were up. I, I, no, I can answer that because I remember reading this because like McNamara said, I want because he just loved Buckner. He says, like, I want him to be on the field when we win the World Series. Okay, so um, I, I guess what I want, well, I guess here's where I'm sort of like going because, like, Bill Buckner, who was the hairiest person since Peter Gallagher. <laughs> Thank you for getting that reference. Because like, not a lot of people would. Like, holy shit, you look back at old pictures of that and, like, man, that's, that's not a neck beard, that's a neck forest. <laughs> Yeah, I'll, I'll give you that. Thank you. So, but it was it was the closest thing to my name, so I love this guy. So, sure. looking back at, at all the stuff, and then just because like, I remember reading this, I couldn't find it online, but I do remember this reading it like it was yesterday, where McNamara said like like it's my fault because he was trying to pull all the blame from that. It's like okay, was it really his fault? And then I looked back. Like, like in the sat lines. Okay, so he did do it on the road in game one and game two. He pulled him for Stapleton. And what inning did he do that in? Uh, was it after, after he had his last at-bat, I'm assuming? I, that, that I don't know. I just know it, was, it would have been late. Okay. Yeah, I'd have to look that up. Right. But, well, then, uh, yeah. But, but at that point, though, I mean, like, if, if you're up 5-3 going in, the, like, at the 10th, you can pull him because you're to, you're up two. Yeah, I'm making sure my best defensive team is on the field for these last three outs. Right. So it's not so when everyone blames Buckner, and there's a lot of blame that should be. There's on Buckner. Uh, there's also on on Stanton because he had a wild pitch. Right. Uh, you know, and uh, you know, like before that, that moved uh, Knight went well, like a, a base. Yeah, there, Mitchell scored night. Yeah. Yes. Uh, there's McNamara who put on somebody who sh- who should who left somebody there that he knew because he's done it before was shit defensively. Obviously, 
obviously. Yeah. And then, so what do we have after that? So this is a game where Bill Buckner did not cost the Boston Red Sox the World Series, much like Steve Bartman did not cost the Chicago Cubs a World Series appearance. It was a series no, of events. I mean, there were instances, I mean, and there was still time left. I mean, there right. were other games to play. Right. Buckner, who had was shit that World Series, had finally had two hits in Game 7. But it didn't matter. I mean, I remember, here's what I remember of Game 7. Going into it. Man, I hope Buckner wins, but he won't. And he didn't. Always the eternal optimist. Well, no, because it was like, okay, you're a Yankees fan. I, I just learned this, honestly, when this started. I'm a Jays fan, as I'm guessing you assumed. I don't know who it is. Like, yes. Okay, so like when the Yankees can't win, what's your fandom if you have no team that you hate? I'm assuming you hate the Red Sox. I despise the Red Sox. All right, makes sense. In fact, I, 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 I refuse to date women because they like the Red Sox. Damn. All right, so so let's say you have that. That's pretty hard. So let's say you have Padres versus Rays in the World Series. Who? Do, you, okay. Who do I go for? Well, yeah, because I mean, like, the, there's no reason you're going to hate the Rays. I know they're in your division, but. There's no Steven, but what you don't understand is I'm a very spiteful man. So am I. But and, and and I mean, last year I was going for the Dodgers. All right, again, so, okay, fine. All right, Padres, White Sox, then. Uh, you know, I, I see that's tough. If I don't have an emotional interest in the game, mm-hmm. I'm going to watch and hope that it's a good game. Okay, versus. If I like, if it, versus the Padres of the White Sox fan, where either team is hoping to just destroy the other one, so there's very little tension and Maylox moments to where they're going to have ulcers at the end of this seven game World Series. Okay. Versus me wanting to see that seven game World Series, maybe some extras involved and maybe some walk offs or some fantastic ending, endings to these games. Yeah, see, for, for me, it's like, okay, who do, what fan base do I think wants the most? Once my team's out. Okay. And then you root for the fan base that wants it the most or needs it the most? Yeah, in a lot of cases, needs it the most. See, see you're a nice guy. I'm vindictive. I don't take the fans' fans' feelings into account. That's the Canadian this is true. I've never met a mean Canadian. Yeah, but you're pretty much almost a pseudo-Canadian, in a way. See, I'm not nice enough. You, you know, okay, maybe. <laughs> maybe. But okay, I'll say this. Like, um, and this is just me following you on Twitter. Uh, give everyone your, your Twitter thing, if you can, again, because I, I think it's pretty much true. I am Glenn at Kona Dreams. Uh, there's multiple S's at the end, so if you just search, you'll be able to find Glenn at Conan Dreams and see all my entertaining sports, politics, and other vindictive tweets that I may send out depending on what mood I'm in. So I, I think for me as a Canadian, right, like I just sort of like look at you as, all right, you've come up with all this, the, with this edge fest and 
stuff that nobody would make any sense of, like in the early nineties, <laughs> like like Our Lady Peace and bands that mean nothing to anyone other than border bands out of Toronto. But you know that that, that see that's what I mean. That's the benefit of living close to a border. And I'm not even talking about the United States, Canada. I mean, if you're United States, Canada, United States, Mexico, or even if you're, I assume if you're in Europe and you're on borders where you're allowed to mix cultures, which involves sports, music, theater, you draw from that. And it just, it's a lot, it's a better way to be, I guess, living through life to embrace everything and being close proximity with Canada. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's no border up preventing 102.1 from getting across or, or 97.7 hits FM from coming across the border and listening to these Canadian bands that you won't hear because our American radio won't play them. Well, right there, buddy. And I don't know what, I don't. I don't know what the point of that was, but yeah, I, I guess the, the point was yeah, I am pseudo Canadian just based on cultural appreciation. Well, he, he, I, oh. I guess here's my pseudo point, uh, just only because to, to bring out like why you and I are sort of like uh, involved in something because you and I are both part of the United States Athletic Hall of Fame, and how does a Canadian yeah. come up with that for the same reason that you just described? Borders. I grew up infatuated with American sports growing up in Toronto. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and again, I, I think my love of hockey over our, the beloved Buffalo Bills stems from that. The Hockey Night in Canada, the Buffalo Sabres, and probably more from the fact that I'm a horrible skater and can appreciate everything that's going on ice, which is just incredible. And it, it, I don't know how many of our listeners are hockey fans, but I've had many friends, particularly when I went to college who had never been to a hockey game. And I, I went to college an hour east of Buffalo and we'd come back home and get hockey tickets and it'd be their first hockey game that they've ever seen. And at the end of the night, they're like, Oh my God, this is the best game on earth. Like, man, you can thank the Canadians for that. <laughs> yeah, once in a while we come up with something. That and beer. And cur- wait, was this curling Canadian or did some other culture develop that? I, I, I know nothing about curling. Oh, oh, you might have your passport taken away. I might, I might. Uh, I know that I've got a few friends who are – actually, one of my good friends uh, was – one puck or puck or whatever you call it, one rock away from the Olympics. Oh, that hurts. Yeah. But on that, we've got to figure out what we're going to do next, uh, next time. Glenn, I gave, I told you what we're going to talk about. So you have to decide what we're going to do next time. Hmm. Are we done with this game? I think we're done with this game. Yeah. Well, let's, let's, uh, finish off here uh the mets won the world series the mets should have done a hell of a lot more the red sox were the red sox then and remained in purgatory for another 20 plus years i believe Mm -hmm. and another thing that should be put in purgatory 
the end of game interviews. Marv Albert. What the hell was he doing with his hairdo? With a fake hair? He said the same fucking toupee forever. That's toupee? Yes! You know, you're working for a major television network. You would think you'd be able to afford something that looks better than like a dead raccoon on your head. Well, you've had a president who had bad hair. He's not... You know, really? You had to go there. Had. I hate you. Okay, yeah, this, this podcast's over. Let's, let's <laughs> <laughs> All right, so Glenn, you get to pick uh, – the way, the way it sort of works like with my, some of the other shows we're doing, you get to pick whatever we're doing next time. I will send you a few things, and it's all up to you. Oh, man, the fresher. I hope I can uh, handle that and uh, go forward with this wonderful Not in Hall of Fame organization. Yeah, non Hall of Fame and organization might be two words that don't go together, but that, that works. Non Hall of Fame disorganization works for me, man. Orga- or, I'm sorry, organization. <laughs> I gotta get the I in there. Nice, nice. Thanks for for being part of this. I think this could be a real fun series. Just looking back at sports events that we don't remember the way it really was and. I didn't remember this the way it was. No. And again, we were both children, I guess. Oh, my God, yeah. Yeah, you think about it. You know, this could get very depressing depending on what era we stick to and our our misspent youth and where the fuck is the time gone. And, yeah. ooh, I might need a beer. All right, I'll, I'm going to say this. Uh, you, based on your sort of, like, can USA thing, I'm going to save one for just you. So whoever else wants to sort of like be part of this, they can, but the, but the, but the Ben Johnson, 1998 thing is exclusive for you. (laughs) Cause I think that's a can USA thing for sure. Absolutely. Carl Lewis, Ben Johnson. Oh dear God. I have so many memories of that, including some quotes from my dad. Yeah, my, my dad's saying, like, why the fuck are we sort of, like, wasting all this money just to get a, some guy to say he took steroids? Fuck! Because <laughs> we did do that. Oh, man. Uh, that, that, that household must have been interesting. <laughs> uh, yeah, maybe I'll get him to take a quote here, record it, and just put it there. I think that'll be good. That might be our next thing. What do you think? Sounds good. All right, awesome. All right, let's lock this in the vault. Thanks all for listening. Stay safe, everyone. Thanks again for listening. There's going to be a lot more content coming from us at nonhalloffame.com. Stay tuned.